Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a couple pastor scholars get together and dig in to the Word of God, a seasonally appropriate scripture passage for your edification and enjoyment and perhaps equipping you as you're working on uh, preaching or teaching uh, in your ministry of some kind. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. And my guest this week is David Drury, first time guest, uh, long time uh, friend, because he's also my brother, um, but also a colleague and a fellow uh, student of the word and one of my favorite people to interpret scriptures with. So I've been jazzed to finally get him on the pod. Uh, he is currently the chief of staff for the Wesleyan Church. And so he does all kinds of traveling and speaking connected with that work. He's also the author of 10 books. Um, so check him out on daviddrury.com. Uh, you can see where all his writings are and uh, get a hold of some of his books. He's a great writer and he's got lots of great stuff out there. So keep your eye out um, for that. Our text for this week is Luke chapter 23, verses 23 through 43. That's Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 43. Be sure, as always, to share and subscribe and rate and review, getting the word out about this show um, when you can. And with that said, enjoy the show. Again, thanks for doing this. We're looking uh, this week at Luke 23, yep. verses 33 through 43. Um, we usually start with one of us reading and one of us praying. Would you like to read or would you like to pray? Uh, okay, I can pray. Okay. Can read? I'll read. All right. So here is the gospel according to St. Luke, chapter the 23rd, reading verses 33 through 43. And when they came to the place, which is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the left and one on the right. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by, watching But the rulers were scoffing at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him vinegar, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, you will be with me today. You will be with me in paradise. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to read your word and to think of this moment, this uh, all important moment. We always treat your word or try to treat it with reverence, but uh, maybe this even with a little more reverence. So much is happening here, God, that affects all of eternity for all people. And uh, we just want to revere it. We want to understand the holiness of this instance in scripture. God, that this isn't just uh, lined up like dominoes with everything else, but that all things led up to this and flow from this including this moment. And so, God, wherever someone might listen to this, it could be off on a jog or commuting or just passing the time or catching up on their podcasts or maybe even 
preparing for a message, God, or maybe even doing their devotions. We pray that in that moment it would become holy too for them. God, that each person that hears these words and listens to us discuss it would have your word yet again penetrate their hearts, and that, Lord, your crucifixion and all that it means would mean even more to them after today. In Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen. Amen. Thanks for praying. So, uh, what's, uh, what's been jumping out to you in this particular passage um, as we read it afresh today? Uh, well, it's kind of hard for the crucifixion to not jump out at you a bit. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes scripture, you know, jumps at you and other times it sneaks up on you like an assassin. I guess the, the whole portion of the criminal at the end mm. there just continues to hit me. Um, I'm struck with, uh, you know, one, one of the practices we have in our community is to retell scripture to each other. So if I don't even look at it and I just think about what you read, um, just the idea of the mockery happening over and over again. Yeah. Uh, in this moment, I mean, here, here we're talking, I, I just prayed about how holy this is (laughs) yet. The story's really about people mocking. Yeah. Uh, even if it wasn't the Messiah, uh, even if they were mocking the other criminals, how cruel that is, mm-hmm. uh, the sneering, uh, the insults, the save him, save yourself. Mm. Uh, you know, he got an extra dose. I don't know that all the others were getting that mockery. His was special. That jumps out at me. Yeah. This time. Yeah. That question, the extra dose, I mean... There's, uh, at least by reputation, he made big claims for himself. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, someone who, you know, without the eyes of faith, this is a, this is a, this is an experience of pride goeth before the fall, right? Hmm. Without the eyes of faith, here's some guy who thought he was special, you know, and had crowds following. And then look, look where he is now. That doesn't justify the, the cruelty of the words, but, uh, you can see how one could justify who who could justify themselves in their cruelty because this is righteous indignation Mm -hmm. and a pretender to the throne a a blasphemer thinks he's his, thinks he's God's son, you know, um, that, that doesn't lessen my, uh, the anguish, but, uh, helps me to kind of see it. In the, in the context of what it is and recognize that I myself might have been a mocker <laughs> mm. in my own religious indignation at, at, you know, his claims to be what he obviously isn't given mm-hmm. the sight mm-hmm. before us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's seemingly, that's why I say without the eyes of faith. Right. Sometimes it, strangely, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it deepens my faith to read a text without the eyes of faith for a moment, just right. to, <laughs> yeah, helps me to recognize you know, uh, the great gift of the, what the eyes of faith bring is to see this as packed with irony and it's a cruel irony, at least at, at first glance. Put you in the the seat of the mockers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Proverbs one, right. Do not sit in the seat of mockers. (laughs) Yeah. Except during exegesis to understand it. Correct. Well, it's, you know, uh, going around the story. And seeing it from perspective of different characters mm-hmm. in the story, you know, and that it's not in this direct text, but bef- this, of course, uh, his mother and the women are there, and we know from yeah. another passage that John's there as well, and so they're seeing this, and so I wonder hmm. if for his mother Mary, if what was more painful, watching the physical death. Or the mockery in the middle of it. Ah, yeah. Um, I just, you know, in thinking of it's, I've only seen it, of course, in the movies, but like an execution. Uh, in that moment, it's this reverent moment at any execution, typically, and mm. usually the family's there to witness it. And if people were there saying uh, horrible things, right, to your son, no matter what he did, yeah, your daughter, how that would change the experience entirely. Um, and, and this is of course why we even know this happened because <laughs> this story was related right. by them later. Quite literally it's adding brutal. insult to injury. 
Uh, yes. Actually, okay. you're getting ahead of yourself to the sermon title, but that's a good <laughs> sermon title. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, everyone with uh, with preaching, I, I've started to observe, especially doing this podcast, um, because like, I know the differences of, amongst preachers in their product, but you often don't know their process unless they're close friends. Or, right. And even then you might not know what they're, if their and process some of them is, don't know. <laughs> that's correct. But I've noticed the pattern. There's some patterns in process. And oh, absolutely. So, and there's that turn moment. And, and some people it's a, uh, it's like a key illustration from our life that connects with the text. That's the moment when now it can start becoming sermon. Mm-hmm. I've met some, for me, it's kind of, cause I'm a very deductive thinker, even though I'll often have, maybe a more inductive or narrative uh, form or genre mm-hmm. to my sermon. Mm-hmm. There's often a kind of core idea, a thesis, mm-hmm. even if it's, if it's hidden. Um, it's usually not. It's usually the first word out of my mouth when mm-hmm. I preach because it's just the way I am. But um, for me, once I've had that thesis, now I can move forward. Um, I've noticed sometimes a clever title actually, mm-hmm. you know, Sophia something. was a little like that. I've had her on a couple of times and she'll like, mm. once I kind of have the title to yeah. the sermon, that's often yeah. a kind of key moment to now yeah. start moving forward. You know, I could see that evidence different. even in her sermons because the rhetoric itself drives mm-hmm. it, it, it as well. Yeah. So that oh, it, you just had a feedback into it uh, yeah. in some sense. But I mean, yeah, I, I, that's funny you notice about the process, you know, having worked so close with Steve Deneff for yeah. so many years and trying – I learned an immense amount. He's my preaching mentor, but he – his kind of strange alchemy of how he does that every week and he argues with God and with himself up to the point where he kind of finds something often that he didn't think on, like he didn't even believe it on Monday. Yeah. Drives and worship on, planners. Sometimes it's, <laughs> sometimes it's late as Saturday, uh, still arguing his way into a corner that he then fights his way out of. He, you can he, sometimes tell when like the, the scripture reading and the like drama connected and the, the song choices clearly were like based on a different sermon idea (laughs) and it had changed, but it's too late to change the other stuff. And then other times Providence sorts that all out. Oh, most of the time it feels all Where they didn't even intend it. That's right. Yeah. So thank the Lord for that. Yeah. What really, uh, the, the criminals jump out to me. Uh, Hmm. just the fact that he's with criminals in this moment, that he's not alone, that God by his Providence, this wasn't a solitary cross on a hill. Hmm. In fact, it might just might have been more than three. We always have the pain True. of three. It could have been a whole line yeah. of crosses a la Life of Life Brian, Brian style. <laughs> you know, and, 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 it, and in some sense, that could have been very much true. This could have been a long row, as yep. was their practice yep. of people killed weekly. Uh, and and my other thought is, is this is just everyday life for the soldiers. Huh. This is oh, yeah. their efficient brutal killers who already have an organized gambling manner to get the clothing to who it needs yeah, to go to so yeah. they don't divide up the linen. Like that jumps out to me, the the sense in which this is just, you know, an ordinary Friday for them. An ordinary Friday. Wow. Because for them, it's not even Passover. Right, right, right. They don't even care about that. It's an ordinary Friday. Just like any other Friday, just, you know, public execution, you know, terrorize the locals, keep them in line. Yeah. Yeah. That's their job. Yeah. It didn't even occur to me when you said that they already have this kind of organized way of dividing up garments. Yeah. It never, because that's, because again, from the eyes of faith, which of course, this is not merely being read by the eyes of faith, it's being written with the eyes of faith, you know, Ooh. Luke is writing this for us to notice certain details. Um, and even though the, the, uh, the casting of lots, um, the, the citation is not mentioned, you know, that this is an allusion to a Psalm. Yes. Um, Psalm 22. Yeah. And so, and the, uh, so for, again, for the author and the original readers, that's what you're going to notice. But when right. I really put myself in their shoes, like you said, Oh, casting lots is for garments might just be quite literally what they do. Right. In fact, they may have done it for every guy on the row. Right. The author's only pointing out this one. Right. My suspicion is that this is a break, especially if it's a line of crosses. They're gotten to the end and, and Jesus <laughs> is the penultimate cross. 
Yeah. Right. Uh, and there's one on their side. Right. And then there's, they finish with the last thief and then they're, they've got, maybe they've gathered all the clothing to the end and maybe it's not even just Jesus's clothes. Yeah. Maybe it's a big pile. Yeah. Uh, and they, they, at the end of their work day, you know, they're yeah. getting a drink and, and, and casting lots. That's how I, in my mind, I imagine that for them, it's no big deal, especially if you look at it through the eyes of Mary. And then the other thing that jumps out to me is how quickly did John or Mary or the other Mary or, or whomever, how quickly did they think of Psalm 22? Yeah. Because right. eventually they did. Mm-hmm. But it's not a given they saw but it at the time. Did, yeah. Like, well, did any of them in the moment say, oh my goodness? It, I mean, was it after the resurrection? Was it when they finally got to talk to Jesus? Did he bring it up? Did. Did, did they you? talk to somebody else, uh, 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 a scholar? Mm. Uh, you know, did Nicodemus say, "Oh man, do you realize what's going on there, guys?" Like, at what point did they have the yeah. lights go on? You're talking about the sermon process, right? When did Luke's right. <laughs> lights go on? That oh my word, this has all uh, been foreshadowed. A thousand well, years. Well, just before. to stay in Luke's, I mean, the clues that Luke would give us would be, and this passage hits me in a new way in Luke 24. During the resurrection, um, there's two mentions of Christ opening their eyes to the scriptures. One right. is yep. when it says, uh, I'm going to get the Emmaus, these the big words. one. Right. But the second one, you'll see why I want to highlight the second one. But let me do the first. The first is um, verse 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained mm-hmm. to them the things concerning himself in scripture. Prior to that saying, wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer? And then it enter into his glory. Mm. And then here's the one I wanted to highlight. Because <laughs> he brings it up explicitly. Yes. Verse 44. These are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms yep. must be fulfilled. Bingo. And then you'll see the Psalms playing a central role in the preaching in Acts. And the, and the <laughs> Psalms at the time were not considered prophetic material. That's yeah. the other well, thing. That, that triplet is relevant. Exactly. There, right? It's Torah. Ketuvim, or Nebuim, excuse me, prophets, and Ketuvim, Ketuvim, writings, of which the Psalms are central. So you almost there's almost this kind of inversion. You read the prophets through the Psalms mm-hmm. and, and lead the Torah through that, mm. and uh, which is normally not, you know, the, the standard approach. And then in Acts, you get this, there's a Psalm citation in almost every of almost every one of these major sermons mm-hmm. is this constant referencing mm-hmm. just hit me now. I always thought that was a cool recipe because of the, because of the, the Tanakh, you know, Torah, Nebuim, mm-hmm. Ketuvim thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that usually just has law and the prophets, but the law, the prophets and the Psalms, that's the only reference with that triplet in the new Testament that mm-hmm. I've found mm-hmm. um, is that one reference at the end of Luke. Mm-hmm. And it confirms, I think your insight that, um, and again, but nevertheless, there's no reason to believe that he kind of went through every detail of his life. He, he gave them the kind of hermeneutical key. Yeah. Here's, right. here's how to look for me in the scriptures. Yeah, right. But it may have been years later. The lights are going on. Yeah. Right. So then, and, it's, and it's Luke, you know, who, who is writing this much after. Even, yeah. He's not present Mark, at this time. Some yeah. Other and so he, you know, this has become part of the, the this has been preached a hundred times first. Yeah. Before he writes it in this manner. Uh, yeah, it's stunning. I, I think that no reason to imagine that anybody's picked up on. I mean, even the Gospel of John highlights I mean, the same as what Luke said, where they right. didn't see it, and Luke, John even has a couple references to them where it says they did not yet understand that he was fulfilling the scriptures until later. You know, right, um, right, which seems to match the narrative pattern of of Luke. Yes, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. You're starting, and to then say where it lands for me. Um, just today, paradise and this paradise, as I understand it, can have kind of a two different types of meaning. The the sort of place in Hades that's sort of a storage tank for, uh, you know, the people who will be raised from the dead someday. Or right, the, the kinda, least hot part of hell. Yes, the, yeah, right. It's like just a little too warm. It's not great. It's not heaven. But it's, you know. And yeah. then the other one, which is sort of this more holding tank area that's not heaven nor hell nor earth. It's yeah. just the he- in the heavens. Uh, whatever it is, the key is not today and the key is not paradise. It's that he's with Jesus. So it's, it's, there's a sense uh, of the presence of Jesus there, um, which is a tricky one on so many levels metaphysically. But the presence of Christ, which of course 
uh, you know, great conversion story there. Yeah, well, I mean, both given the, the time and the importance of that one line, maybe we should take a quick break and then come back and maybe dig in yep. a little bit more on what the what issues that raises. Great. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. Uh, I'm here with uh, David Drury, and we're looking at Luke 23, verses 33 through 43. Now, right at the end, you brought up, today you will be with me in paradise. And I heard you highlight kind of three aspects to this line. Um, today, with me, and the in paradise. And right. in paradise raises these kind of questions uh is this a particular place um and if so how does that relate to the descent into hell that christ died and went to the place of the dead right mm-hmm. in order to free them just reiterated in first peter and another in matthew 27 and a number of places uh all throughout paul so i mean thinking of him as dying and going to heaven kind of makes the resurrection a pointless right it's mm-hmm. kind of like no he's dying yes. and going to the place of the dead well, which is important to clarify yeah. what paradise means for people that would use this um, to sort of say like, okay, he was immediately transported to heaven. No, there's something more metaphysical going on yeah. than just the sinner's prayer. Yeah. Uh, God, Jesus is fighting hell here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so uh, it's not like this guy suddenly because of that moment that he now goes to heaven. That's a, that's an oversimplification I think so, yeah. of what seems to be going on, but that's just because the word paradise for us, we, we, we read that as just straight up heaven. Right. But interestingly, I mean, the, the, the term has, when it's been used in the biblical background, the old Testament, which they would just call right. the Bible, the Bible. Uh, <laughs> in paradise is a reference to Eden. Right. It was what that would make you think of first. A place on earth. Kind of like a, a an or, unfallen or at least place. A garden, a, yeah. yeah. A, a, a sort of a, a like a paradise. Like like yeah. like a, a non Christian word for yeah. you know an yeah, oasis. Paradise. Right, right. Yeah, this is paradise. It's um, it's yeah, Jamaica. And then <laughs> and and there is that I'm gonna I'm actually gonna look it up. I can't always remember the exact it's in first Peter when he says um uh, shoot, it might take me a second to find it, but when Christ, it says that Christ goes uh, to free uh, the righteous souls who, yes. were, you know, um, I don't know, just take my word for it. Maybe I'll find the verse later. But um, but that idea that that uh, he would, uh, yeah, I'm not going to find it. Bummer. Just take my Do you mean where it, it says that he preaches? There's that too. Yeah. There's yes. two references okay. in First Peter, but yeah. yeah. The preaching one is probably the one I was thinking of. Well, and um, I would think that that in, in and of itself is a, just theologically something for us to think about because, you know, some of it's like, which sandals do you put yourself in, mm-hmm. in this story? And uh, in just interpreting it, for me, the one that's most helpful is to think of the, the this thief mm-hmm. and to think, okay, you know, what's my response to when God is mocked? Uh, uh, what's my response, uh, to when I'm guilty? Cause he is guilty. Right. And he admits that he's not just blaming the other guy that's guilty. He doesn't do what every criminal does in prison. You yeah. Know, Shawshank Redemption right, style, right. you know, <laughs> says, only guilty know, man is Shawshank. Exactly. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't say, Hey Jesus, just so you know, when you're in your, 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 your kingdom, right. just remember I'm totally been framed. He doesn't do that. He owns up right. to it along with the other guy and defends him. And so to put it in that and yeah. to understand that there, that I am going to be with Jesus is just what is important. Uh, and that's today. There is a sense in which this helps me at every funeral, that there is a todayness that matters. Yep. It's this day today. Yeah. And it helps Stephen. I mean, you don't have to get in all the metaphysics of it, but to think of it as, I mean, just as Paul says, you know, uh, um, to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord, present to the Lord. Although Paul is such a clear, uh, affirmer of bodily resurrection. Mm-hmm. So he's not saying presence with the Lord is the last thing. It's the second to last the thing. Next thing. Yeah, right, right. It's the next thing and it's the immediate. And yeah. it is immediate in some sense, this right. being present with Christ. And even still, there's still, it's present with Christ in hope of the resurrection. 
Right. Um, and actually, all that you're pointing out about him not justifying himself, mm-hmm. which is very relevant because, of course, as you may know, this uh, this uh, this little sequence of this little dialogue appears only in Luke, and Luke uh, also has this recurring theme of people trying to justify themselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the the lawyer who uh, um, asks, you know, who is my neighbor? That's only in Luke. Uh, yeah. Seeking to justify himself, he asked, yes. right? Um, that phrase, only in Luke. And again, it, you know, Luke's clearly in s- mm-hmm. under some influence of Paul. So you kind of see Paul's kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, witness and, and doctrine of justification by faith kind of playing out in this very narrative yeah. way in Luke's writings. Um, or the the story of the publican and the tax collector, mm-hmm. Uh uh, excuse me, the, the, the Pharisee and the publican or Pharisee and the tax collector mm-hmm. also only appears in Luke. And that story starts with, he told this parable to those who trusted in themselves as their own righteousness and looked down on others. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it, this is like the culmination of this Lucan theme of your righteousness is in your being a part of the community centered in Christ, not in your own claim to justification, which is relevant because, Paradise, if, if you're right that we should take this as referencing some kind of intermediate sort of place of the dead, it's going to be, though, for the good dead, the righteous dead, right? Which they believed in. The resurrection yeah. was a, a, a not a unanimous, but was a widely held belief amongst Jews. And it was believed that guys like Abraham and Moses and all those people were in paradise is the, par- is the place, is the good, the good dead place. Not heaven with God. That's still waiting to be opened. It's Christ mm-hmm. that kind of registers this notion of this higher kind of mm-hmm. um so the idea that he he gets to go and be in the bosom of abraham as it were not because of his own righteousness you know but because of his confession and honesty and his uh yep. his connection to christ is enough and know? the the criminal there the thief or murderer or whatever he was it's he's not the only example of that jesus is the opposite of that. And in this scenario uh-huh. in which it would be so tempting to justify himself, to use your language. <laughs> uh, Luke's language. <laughs> he doesn't justify. Yeah, right. With the, the rich young ruler. He doesn't justify himself. And in, and in fact, they repeatedly say, save yourself. Ah, which is very similar ooh, language. Justify yourself, yes. save yourself. And he repeatedly refuses to save himself. Oh, that's a good Which insight. is, I think, the most pressing theological question from this passage mm-hmm. is why didn't he save himself <laughs> oh, man. like their question is mockery but on another level it's actually a good question to ask yeah there's a non-mocking version of what, the question That's what right. is going on here that that jesus doesn't save himself and that in that act of not justifying himself Verbally right. or saving himself physically. Vindicate himself. You can translate justify, vindicate. Exactly. It would be a vindication uh, to save. A Call on a thousand angels. Right? Bingo. Oh. Wow, man, I didn't even I didn't even see the contrast. But then also the comparison. This guy is actually being Christ like. Though he yeah. in a different way. For for him to not justify, to not vindicate, Bingo. not save himself is for him to throw himself at the mer- to admit his own sin and throw right. himself at the mercy of Christ. Right. Jesus is taking on even his sin in this moment and the <laughs> oh others because he says forgive them for they do not know not oh, what they I do. Know. So he's taking on the people's sin that don't admit it, right? The ones who yes. do justify themselves. He's taking on the sin of the onlookers uh who are sort of his followers, right? He's taking yep. the sin of the new follower, uh the new repentant thief on the cross and and then he is doing the opposite of those who would justify themselves. And we, I mean, I love to justify myself. That's one of my favorite pastimes, but the, <laughs> the, to think about um, how inherent in repentance is getting to the point where we no longer justify ourselves hmm. and all the coaching, counseling, training, memorization we can do in our lives doesn't get us to the point of really just saying, yeah, I, I can't justify my actions. Hmm. I can't justify myself. I have to be justified outside myself. And even Jesus chose that. Yeah. And that's the, Oh yeah. That's so, I, it didn't even occur to me that Christ, cause we don't think of Christ. We think of not defending ourselves as a thing that's right to do because we're sinners, but to see someone Christ, 
right. who even he has the right mm-hmm. to self-justify, you know, mm-hmm. and he also uh, doesn't exercise that right, yep. you know. Um, Lamb unto slaughter. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm suddenly I, I've been flipping around because I wanted to look up the uh, this reference to these guys there. I'm wondering who they are. If we're going to focus on them, just doing some some speedy, you know, uh, commentary glancing um, this language of Kakurgos. Uh, Kakurgos. Oh yeah, the malcontents, or, or no, the the miss. What's the no? The, the, English the, term? the it's criminals, I guess. Right, yeah, the, I'm wondering what they are because he's because Luke's using a different word than Mark and Matthew. That's what grabbed me, and you know, evildoer, um, criminal. Kakurgos. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's you know, it's Mal- the, the root word for kaka, right? Kakos, kaka. It's just bad, evil. Huh. Ungood things, opposite of opposite of Kalos, good, mm-hmm. good and beautiful. Kalos, the good shepherds, the Kalos shepherd, you know, is Kakos, mm-hmm. um, and Urgos is just the word for work, right? Mm-hmm. This is the root word for like erga works. Um, so evil doer, evil worker, right? Right. This is very it's very generic. It's not, which I think is actually really helpful because. The language in Mark and uh, and Matthew is a lot more specific. You know, it's these two robbers. You know, so we kind of have maybe marauders, maybe maybe they're you know, but there's it's a slightly more specific, right? Uh, and of course, Luke tends to be specific when he can. There's something helpful in thinking of them as I don't know. I mean, evildoer sounds old fashioned. I'm trying to find a better word. The bad guys. Yeah, but it really is just you know. Uh, those who do evil, bad things. Yeah. Um, they're well. The way that it's phrased in this passage is just they're guilty. Yeah, they're guilty of something. The yeah. guilty ones. And I, I think the, the convicts. Yeah, they're convicts. Yeah, that is good because I think keeping it specific so that we can think of very live examples while at the same time keeping it generic enough that all of us kind of can. That's always a tension in preaching and interpreting in general, right? As you, you, you want to move towards the general, mm. uh, so that it's inviting to all listeners, right? But you want to keep it uh, specific too, right? So that you, both for the sake of the text and for the sake of the hearers, to say some of you are in unique circumstances, and we're not just going to talk. How about... How do you get to all have sinned and yeah. fall short of the glory of God? That 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 the the thieves on the cross, the soldiers, the rulers, right? Mary. John, anybody that's watching, they're all sinned. Yeah, but not an all have sinned in a way that's uh, that papers over the difference because there's clearly a difference here. There's oh, a divide. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's different responses. Yeah. So how do you you have that universal experience of guilt before Christ? Right. And yet also the recognition that Christ is choosing to be. With the convicts and not the, with the powerful. And right? the thief that believed uh, did that already for us right in the passage. You know, he says, we're punished justly. We're yeah. getting what our deeds deserve. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, the, I mean, he, he's, I would tell you, a parole board would love to hear that. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> we're getting what we deserve. And interestingly, maybe this, maybe I shouldn't bring this up, but alas... I've already said that. It's your podcast. (laughs) Jesus, uh, he doesn't call on 10,000 angels to save himself. And he doesn't call on 10,000 angels to save this guy either. You know? Um, Mm -hmm. He only gives them his word. Right. (laughs) I mean, again, eyes of faith. Yeah. Put your seat, put your place in the seat of that mocker on the other side. He's like, yeah, yeah, really? You're going to put your... You're going to trust that guy? Yeah. <laughs> guy on a cross just told and here's you? here's the thing. And you feel good now? Like, it's not going to work, buddy. Yeah. He probably had family there, too. Oh, yeah. Right, so, right, right, right. They're hearing all this. And so for them uh, Jeez, to hear what Jesus insight. says, uh, no matter how bad he is, the family shows up. Uh, yeah. And they heard him say that. And so for their eyes of faith... For them to hear him say these things, uh, this is a, a bizarre experience. They just were going to expect them to see their 
bad boy son yeah. get executed and to be with him in his final moments. But then they hear these weird words from the guy next to him who everybody's paying, paying special attention to. And the ruler showed up to make fun of. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have this conversation to read through their eyes. They're never mentioned. Wow. No, that's clearly, good though. Th- he's probably not there alone. Yeah. I mean, even if at a distance they're there to, I mean, these are public events and they're going to be supportive. And again, even again, I don't want to engage in, in justifying them, but the odds that this punishment is way worse than the crime are extremely high. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Not yeah, just, yeah. and I don't mean that just in the sort of general sense of like yeah. capital punishments, pretty huge, but like public, uh, disgraceful torture. Yeah. Uh, and that's clearly a function of Roman occupation to keep right. people in line. These guys could have done, I mean, this again, that's I don't want to make them good this. guys, but man, they could be jaywalkers. I mean, yeah, we're totally, talking the, totally, you they could have, or they could have, it could have been a revenge, you know, kind of yeah. a thing on a family the, something just got out that's of hand. An extreme way to approach right. this yeah. passage to just say, who's the worst center? In the passage. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's a because whole sermon, you could man. say, okay, you know, here, you know, here you have uh, the the two thieves, and it's pretty easy to look at. Kind of one of them isn't even repentant, but then you start to say, well, wait a second, what about the soldiers? They kill people all day, every day for a living. But then you yeah. say, well, they're a part of a bigger machine. They were ordered to do this, <sighs> uh, you know. And then you're like, well, the rulers, they were the ones inciting the crowd, you know, yesterday, right, crucify right. him. Yeah. Uh, morning. Uh, uh, but then get to, then you can even get to Mary and the family and and say, well, they're sinners too. And so that might get you to what you were looking for earlier. Yeah, in a way that's which is all has sin. But then there's different levels of sin. But then that loads it back into the thought of like what Jesus is doing yeah. here is saving all. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Ah. I want to think about that, and then today. You will be with me in paradise. How does that sound? Even to, you could even go back through mm-hmm. each of those characters, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, um, from one end to the other, you know, you've got his followers who've already repented and this new repent, repentant sinner. Mm-hmm. And then all those in between who've not yet repented, but for whom this same promise is given is available um, insofar as they're ready to stop self-justifying mm-hmm. themselves. Right? right. It's like um, today is the day uh, to be with me. And, right. um, and there's also a gradation wow. here in that you, there's being forgiven for participation in crucifying him, which is what Jesus does. Right. He sort of says literally like, let it go. Right, right, right. In the Disney sense. Let it go, God, that these people are doing yep. this. That's, that's but, what forgiveness is, remission. But, yep. But hold it not against them. But that doesn't mean that he's that he's he's not yep. saying to those people, you'll be with me in paradise. That's right. So there's a sense in which there is more than forgiveness here. That's right. In, that's good. That that it's not just being forgiven for this one act. There's something bigger going on here with the thief on the cross. Uh where where he, there's some kind of belief exchange here, his actions, not just his words, right? Uh, that that uh, comes into salvation. Yeah, hmm. yeah. It just suddenly occurs to me: he not only doesn't justify himself, like we talked earlier. You say his actions, not just words. I mean, his actions are the act of justifying Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? He speaks on behalf mm-hmm. of Jesus. He he rebukes this he this mocker. But what will break break my noodle a little bit when I read it was: Did he do all this in order to get in good with a guy who? So he, <laughs> he believes there's something special about Jesus. Is this yeah. his hail mary pass? <laughs> Is he saying this guy could actually be? Hey, might as well try it, right? Pascal's he's waiting there. Right? <laughs> he, he pulls a Pascal and and says, "I like only because of the way that it happens." He he does it, and then he's quite. You know, he's quite clearly like a little kid that does something good in front of his mommy yeah. and says, and remember me when you come into your kingdom. And uh, and Jesus, if that I'm reading it in the most cynical possible yeah, way, no, it's good. even if that's true, Jesus right, uh, says, yeah, today you'll be with me in paradise. Man, I mean, this is how did this guy know about Jesus? Is this his first encounter? 
Or if he's a recent arrestee, had he seen Jesus in action in Jerusalem? I mean, Jesus has been in Jerusalem for a week, according to Luke, preaching, mm-hmm. teaching. Um, yeah, it's, it's unclear. A, I mean, it doesn't say, but and it, there's no real clue one way or the other. Right. And it's one of those. He doesn't call love by any to title. Followed this guy's life. Yeah. He'd be a great guy to follow. It'd be great historical a, fiction, right? Right. One of the best Turn sermons, this, this gets a little into the sermon content stuff, but one of the best sermons I ever heard was from Christy Lipscomb. And she preached on criminals in the Bible. Oh. And she had these great stories from her church because the church has had so many people in yeah. it that are either ex-cons or they're ex-cons and then pre-cons because they go and get convicted again. And just she now has all this knowledge from yeah. her day-to-day life of experiencing what life is like for people that have a record and that that create more record. And to think throughout the Bible, all these yeah. experiences of criminals, uh, some very many justly accused, like he says here, mm-hmm. and others not, uh, all the way up to Jesus – it would be a phenomenal series of sermons to talk about. Yes. I mean, you could go all the way back to Cain, right? Yeah. Of people that, that broke the law and, and God's murders. mercy and on yep. Cain from the beginning, God's. And to just go right through and hit all the criminals in the Bible. There's all a book called Criminals of the Bible that I have uh, that, that lists a lot of these. You couldn't hit all of them, but you could hit big ones. But to end with Jesus. Right. Uh, not the thief on the cross, right. him be the penultimate one, but then to have Jesus uh, be the last criminal and be like, well, then and it's a nice it. way to narrow it down to call it convicts, yeah, Ooh, right, be because then it leaves ambiguous right. the justice of the right. conviction. You call it true crime. <laughs> well, we're starting to 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 sermon brainstorm, so let's take a quick break and come back and explore some sermon starters. we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm still your host, John Drury, and I'm here with David Drury, my uh, brother, and my guest this week. I've been dying to have him on. I'm so glad. I've had a lot of fun with you today. Well, I'm so excited you're doing this podcast. It's been fun for me to listen to. I love podcasts while I'm running or commuting or on a plane somewhere. It's been super fun. But part of it is it's a, we're the Drury family. And I've always joked that growing up, I thought I was not a talkative person. (laughs) In a talkative family, and it was just I, later on I realized, no, I'm just the fourth most talkative person in the world, <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's all that family of origin. It just compared to whom, and so the whole idea of having a podcast where all you do is talk about the Bible. For yeah, I know. That's like, it's like a dream. It's like a dreary dream. Come yeah, I know. <laughs> you're living, and I love that. But I also love about it. I I picture a lot. You have soaked up so much wisdom and knowledge through the years, and you're a bit kind of like an overflowing cup. I love that many of your students that I that many of them are pastors that now I interact with and they talk about you as their professor and just love you as a prof. And, and I just, you're kind of like an overflowing cup where you've been filled with so much that now I love how even without preparation, it flows out of you in a way that's really authentic and people love. And I feel that in the, in the podcast. Oh, so, cool. Well, that's very flattering. Really, I appreciate it. Really fun to watch and yeah. glean from myself. Well, well I love having you on. I, I've, I'm so glad we finally got to have you on because you're one of my favorite people to read the Bible. Oh, well, so thanks. Well, I'm a little different. I'm more like a like a sprinkler hose than an overflowing oh, yeah. cup, where I like to spread it out That's that family as broad as possible. <laughs> yeah, right. It's all it's, it's all relative. Uh, so sermons. Yeah. Sorry, I distracted you. <laughs> no, I loved you, but... it. It was great. <laughs> I don't take compliments well. Here, here's what I've been learning to do. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and yes. then move on. All right. Um, so yeah, let's explore some sermon starters. Where where would we want to where would we want to take this? We already threw out some ideas. Yeah, we with so those the, or the criminals one that from Christy uh, Lipscomb, the the criminals of the Bible. Uh, you could have a whole series that ends with Jesus. You could even do a Lent, yeah, uh, up to Good Friday, uh, and and go back to criminals uh, that that just because that sort of focuses in on the sinner. It's really you know people don't like to talk about sin. And so sometimes it's helpful to start with stuff that a clearly, clearly yeah. is sent. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Walter Wangren did this in his – he has a series where he rewrote the Bible as a novel. Right, right. Have you ever – the Book of God yes. and then Jesus and Paul. In the Jesus one, he has this whole buildup of Barabbas. Ah. It's a beautiful criminal vignette uh, of just his perspective on things as a as a horrible killer. Yeah. Uh, and you could – that would be a, a – 
interesting one to kind of write true crime. Yeah. Yeah. What's fun here is with this, I could see it. You could do, you could do this in a sermon. You could do a short, you know, short story style version because mm-hmm. you could tell a little backstory of both of these characters. Mm-hmm. And what's fun is we don't have their names. Right. So you could set it up where it wasn't obvious which one was which was. Yeah. It yeah. Cool. And it could even be a surprise. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't yeah. have that kind of, uh, I don't know. I have that much skill with that kind of story creation, but some, I mean, some of it, I just want to say to our listeners on the off chance that you have a sort of creative writing side to you that you're not leveraging in preaching, do this, start, (laughs) start doing that because you're, it's probably going to really take your preaching alive. uh, I've seen you do it. And on that note, I feel like we, I'm glad that we're hitting here, you know, Luke 23 in October. Uh, yeah, because so often we November this will drop. Yeah, yeah. we we yeah the, we we cordon off the crucifixion mm-hmm. narratives for a certain time of the year uh, too often in our preaching, and it's helpful to sometimes just hit these things at another time. Yeah, uh, and remind ourselves that uh, you know there's different ways to tell yeah, these stories and different ways to get to them, like you just yeah. illustrated. And oftentimes artists hit the small stories, and they sometimes don't talk about the big stuff. Mm-hmm. The cross. Yeah. And we need to hit that too. Yeah. The, uh, the, there's some logic behind this kind of quote Lenten or Easter text. Mm-hmm. Um, since we, you know, when we started this podcast, we decided to just go with the revised common lectionary. That way we're not picking our favorite text, but just using texts that would be seasonally appropriate from time to time, even mm-hmm. if our listeners aren't using the, the, the lectionary. And, um, we're actually recording, recording early, but this is for Christ the King Sunday. Mm. I didn't mention that to you, but, oh, but, and now some of it is just year C, which is what we're coming to a conclusion of this week. Christ the King ends, uh, concludes the year. Uh, Advent starts the next week then. Um, so it's usually sometimes around Thanksgiving, you know, and, uh, American Thanksgiving, I should specify mm-hmm. in honor of Aaron Perry. But, uh, and so, th- but the readings have all been from Luke, as you know, as, as, as a listener. Um, so in many ways, this is just kind of culminating the story mm-hmm. of Luke. Everything's building up to this point, the whole journey to Jerusalem, right? right. But then you get this nice ir- irony to take this story, but then you'll notice it has all this like authority. He's king of the Jews, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And he's deciding who goes to paradise. So, it, on one level, it's the opposite of the royalty of Christ. Mm-hmm. And yet this is his true reign. Exactly. You know, so especially if you're in a church that acknowledges mm-hmm. Christ the King Sunday or reign of right. Christ uh, Sunday, well, then the it's really, it's a fun. a throne. Yes. Right. Yes. It sort of sits up there like He reigns from the cross, regnum crucis. Well, yeah. and, and that's why he's the right and the left. Yes. There, there's that theming here of the throning of Christ. James right? and John asking to sit at the right and yes. the left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Signaling this as a Love his it. reign, right? So this is his glory, even though yeah. at first glance, there's nothing royal about this scene. Right. Um, One of the treatments of this passage that was really well done, um, that I think anybody could pick up and do on their own version, Clovis Chapel. You ever heard of yeah, that name? The yeah. old holiness Faces preacher. around the cross, That's right? the one I was going to mention. Uh, faces about the cross. I think oh, yeah, they're right. Yeah, the word old fashioned. Right. Very old school. And then he has another collection of sermons uh, called More Faces About the Cross. <laughs> apparently it was a popular sermon series, but uh, collected in, in two different books. So what, what I love about that is to think about what are the faces around the cross. Mm. And that's a helpful way for anybody in preparing yeah. a sermon is to – to not just look at the text, but to back away from it and say, yeah. who's there? Yeah. Who are the characters there? And chapels, you know, this is a hundred years old sermons now, I think. Uh, those sermons sort of uh, help identify those people and see it from their perspective. And a little of your comparison and contrast of the two thieves on the cross, you can blow that up and do that all around all the different people, the soldiers and the rulers and Mary and and the other women, uh, John, so on and so forth. That just helps with perspective. And some of why that's important and what I love to do in scripture is to just help people get into that themselves. Yeah. And oftentimes people need multiple viewpoints to be able to identify with Yeah, it. that raises a question for me in terms of just advising our, our listeners. And again, we sometimes we like write a whole sermon during this part. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just give more general homiletical mm-hmm. suggestions. It doesn't matter which way we want to go. It's, it's up to us. But 
generally speaking, or specifically with this text, um, would you recommend building a sermon really centered around one or two perspectives or around a number of perspectives? I could see advantages to both in one sermon I'm talking about. I mean, obviously over a series, multiple perspectives is great, but... Um, in one sermon, thoughts? it would be difficult to yeah. do more than two. I like your two idea of the two different okay. thieves. That's a great one. Now, but exegetically and as you're beginning, though, mm-hmm. not choosing too soon. So maybe in your own exactly. study, you're running it from lots of angles as we've been exactly. doing today. Right. Um, and in fact, if I was thinking of our listeners, I'd think, boy, I'd give it a few, depending on what kind of schedule you're on. If you're preaching this text this coming Sunday, then give it another day exactly. or two. Hang out with all the characters. Yes. Prayerfully explore, you know, exploring. Right. Maybe don't even do any commentary work until you've, until one has chosen you, as it were. Then you can go do more research once and totally. shape the sermon. And you'll have benefited from thinking about the four or five other characters because it'll, it'll still input, right? Your, uh, your uh, perspective, you know? Yeah. And um, I, 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 part of what I think is important to point out is there are no rules. <laughs> and so what you just said is I think a great way to do it, even just to help, like, like d- don't be too rigid, you know, allow yeah. it to go. You may land on the point of that. The crux of this and the message that the Lord wants the people and you're hearing to know is the dice, you know? Yeah. Right. It'd be all about the dice. You could have Yahtzee dice up on, you know, the pulpit, mm-hmm. uh, and that that really becomes the hook for you of of the everyday soldier, yep. right, going yep. about their work and not understanding the bigger thing. The and the, I can the visual, line I can you know see not, it. yeah, I can see you know not what you do, right? You know, so I can not see what you turning do. around. I can see and, doing and that motion. Every right? every every one of us every day we go through life like those soldiers, uh-huh. worried about. Clo- I mean, worried about clothing, <laughs> yeah. literally. Yeah. You could tie it into the lilies of the field even. Yeah. That, that, that it's interesting that there's those two there. Uh, Cruci- while crucifying the Lord of glory and not even it. realizing it. You got it. And you, I could see the visual of the dice and bending over. Mm-hmm. If you have a cross in your church, I can picture oh, it in my home church. Yeah. And then, and then inviting people Away from, to look around, turn around, to turn up and look see over your it. shoulder. Look over your shoulder. Yeah. Oh, that's a good so sermon. Any of those could be, be done. I, I, I don't know. I don't care what you do with this, but I, I think that it, at some point, it'd be helpful to get people back into Psalm 22. Yeah. And one of the things that's happening these days, as we're so appified, I mean, while we're working, I have my physical Bible open. Yeah, yeah. And then my digital Bible open at the same time, just because it's so amazing with all of the, you know, different languages and so forth that I can look up. But the problem with the digital one that we all tend to use is it's so bad for cross-reference work. Yeah, I've been so disappointed you that can there's flip over. So and so t- t- in some sense there is a training opportunity in yeah. to say okay everybody, uh you know, flipping your device over to Psalm 22 or those of us that have this physical thing in front of us right. flip over like this and and you know, put your and little even better if you can there. say can I touch your phone yes. for a moment? Like if people are reading along and to say, you know, so, so look at verse, uh, you know, where the, the lots appear. That's um, in the very first, 23 or 22? I'm 33, 33, 32, 34, 34. So, so it's like, okay, everybody just look, maybe there's an FN, a little footnote. There you go. Train. Tap that pub and see go. what happens, you yep. know? Yep. Um, and you know, because sometimes there are those depending on the app. Some apps, but uh, but you version that's I love you version, but it does not keep it doesn't train cross referencing. Yep. And so, in a way, you yeah. have to train people how to use it. Actually, it's a very powerful thing to get. All you have to have is a little simple cable to hook mm-hmm. your actual phone up to a screen. Oh yeah, uh, and and any tech guy in any church is going to be able to tell you how to do that, and to hook your phone up to the screen and actually physically do it. I've done that before. I like using Blue Letter Bible just because mm-hmm. it's a little more uh, friendly for that kind of stuff you're talking about doing. And and although the other one is what everybody in my church and almost every yeah, church, it's my the only struggle so with great. version is the U version is a great gift to the world. So I, yeah. I don't want to complain about that. But you have to show people how to do it with U version. You have to go a little deeper and and. Give people a little tutorial. That's what we don't do anymore. We don't. Sunday school classes used to be the place where that would happen. Yeah. Um, and it would happen. I'm not sure they knew they were showing people how to do it, but they would just do it. Well, part of the physicality of it, you'd the see physical. a person flip. You're like, oh, what's that? How do you part? do that? Yeah. Well, another way to do it is to have every other person 
uh, look up a different thing or every other pew or every other yeah. row and say, okay, you guys all look up Luke, uh, you know, 23. And now you guys all look up, uh, Psalm 22 and then have them compare on their phones. Yeah. With that each could other work yeah. just to get it. But there is a tutorial possibility here that goes, you know, pretty fun. Well, and that's a fun. And this is why I say that it's okay to do general stuff is that's one of those things where all our listeners, I'd encourage you tuck that idea away. If it ends up not being, if there ends up not being a great cross-reference connected to your main point right. of your sermon, save it for another week. Right. There's but if you end up doing something, this just that, happens right. to be one of the right. best ones. Right. 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 You know, uh, you know John, you know, chapter three and numbers. Uh, right. Right, right. With the snake the lifted right. up, the so bronze good. snake is another one. I mean, there's just hundreds of them. Well, it's it's Whenever every passage in the one, New Testament. But <laughs> what we often do is we spoon feed that to people. That's correct. Instead of showing them, you can do this too. And what we got to do is get this in the, yeah. their hands. I'm totally with you. On and that. They, the beautiful thing is, it's always in their hands now because it's in their phone. Yep. And so if we can show them the power of this thing, mm-hmm. it's actually way more powerful uh, than having a great cross-reference Bible. Is, yeah, They're going to be so able to searchable. do it more powerfully now, but they need to be told they can. Yep. And so you've got 12-year-olds listening to you preach that are going to be more prepared to study the scripture than people that went to seminary 20 years ago yeah. because they have a cell phone. Yeah. They just need to be shown how to use it. They need to show how to use it and given that permission instead of the fear. Because usually it's just like intimidating. I wouldn't exactly. know what to do with all this. And the fact is, is... There are things we can do as preachers that accidentally imply that you need my magic exactly training powers yeah, it's a to new do Gnosticism. This. Yes. Yeah. Whereas if we can, in in a way, which and of course the digital natives out there don't need much. You only have yeah, to get them nudge, started. Little nudge permission. Yeah. I mean, I've had people in my house church teenagers come up to me and show me things to do i didn't know how to do <laughs> when i was the one that showed them the app in the first place because they're digital native they know how and to, they they learn how to use it better than me so that's the beauty is it unleashes scripture um and this is a great passage to start with another s- s- sermon that i'd love is just the different mockings that happen here mm. um and there's two ways i'd come at it one is just from jesus's perspective of the mocked god you have the rulers mock him, then the soldier or the rulers sneer at him or mm-hmm. someone like that. Then the, the soldiers mock him, right? Mm-hmm. And they offer him the sponge and then he doesn't drink it, the nard. And then, uh, and One then of the it, criminals, right? And then the criminal. So it's a nice three mock. moves yeah, as well, which would have a nice shape as a sermon. That? And there's, there's the forgiveness that he gives. They don't know what they do, which is important. And then there's also, um, and this is where I'd land it, by the way. Mm-hmm. There is a point where the criminal's confronted, but who's he confronted by? Mm. Not by Jesus. Interestingly enough, not by his family. Mm-hmm. You would think in that moment, you'd be like, hey, man, stop it. Stop picking on him. Or you, you'd think the family would rise up. Right. You'd think John would say something and defend him. No. And at first we're like, maybe we think they should. No, I actually think it's a good thing they didn't for two reasons. One is... The criminal was the best one to confront yes. the criminal. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. And in this day and age where sometimes we feel like God's being mocked and sometimes we feel like we need to be mm. the defenders of God, that, that it's like my part-time job to argue with people on Facebook. No, you might be, need to be a silent witness right yeah. now. Yeah. And maybe another criminal needs – somebody that knows their story confronts him. And then the other thing is – one of the things I've been trying to practice is what just does he say? He says, we are, we have been, exactly. we are justly here. It's to not engage in the debate and then wait and see what other people do. And yeah. so often what's interesting, the salvation of the thief on the cross was inherent in him being a part of this. Mm-hmm. So if John had spoken up, if Mary had spoken up, it wouldn't have given the criminal the opportunity to show his faith in Jesus. And so sometimes our too quick to defend mm. God might actually leave uh, less opening for other people to come to Christ. That's a good insight. I think that's a good sermon too, man, to really build up to that. Cause all these mockings create, yes. oh, it, you, would, you would create in the audience, in the congregation, in this, through the sermon, right. Through a little bit of creative exploration of these three mockings to create tension that, and indignation. Yeah. So that people want to, you know, and even pl- and, and try to get to that moment where you could say, now, how are you feeling right there? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how much more Mary? Yeah. That yeah. Of her own son. Yeah. Or John, the disciple of Jesus. Yeah. 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 And then to give that, 
and then to nada and then to let the tension release be really a, a surprise that it mm-hmm. comes from this strange source. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, ends up saving him. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. When have I opened my mouth in defense of God mm-hmm. and gotten in the way of, you know, the salvation of another. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. When have Let I spoken else. to Susan? Reminds me of a, of a proverb that fits uh, a couple of jury boys. Uh, <laughs> this is a proverb I read this morning. Um, where is it? Uh, probably, it's probably not going to find it fast enough knowing me, but let's see. I think I've got it. In is my it head. one of the 560? So proverbs about, about not talking, talking too yeah. much. Yes. But Great. it had a very yeah. interesting line here. It is 1821 death. And life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. <laughs> eat its fruit. Oh man, I like that man. Mm. Oh, Without the I tongue. Have little to say. <laughs> but here you see, it is that, that could go in the sermon. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Mm. You see that the two men. Oh wow. One uses his tongue. Yes. You know, to confirm his own deserved death, and the other gets the promise of life. Mm. Same mm. tongue. Right. Mm. So related more than I thought. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Dave, for spending this time. Thanks to all our listeners. We appreciate you so much. Thanks to Todd and to Eric and their production work. I can't imagine doing this without them. And thanks to Tom Adamson for donating theme music. And we say uh, thanks so much uh, to you all for listening in. And we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye bye. <laughs>